Um, just want to sort of go off script a little bit and just um, acknowledge that guy. Um, always, yeah, he's uh, shown it a lot in the last uh, couple of months, just with a lot going on and him moving on and uh, trying to lead a wife and kids through that. And I can just vouch for him. I know, I know Graham's here, he'd absolutely agree with me and all the other elders would too. Um, just want to just commend like his love for you guys and just the way he's just done his best to lead through a challenging, challenging time. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say except I really appreciate that, mate. And um, these guys, us, we're, we've been, been lucky to have you and uh, yeah, excited for your next chapter. But um, don't do this often, but give, give him a clap. The guy deserves a clap. Um, I actually, uh, I, I shared most of this, what I'm sharing tonight, I shared most of this actually at Sea Light East a couple of weeks ago, um, and which is Carl Robinson's church, for those of you who know him, um, and Ollie um, felt it was, it was relevant for you guys tonight, so he's asked me to, to, sh to share that with you. I actually, um, I, I, Carl gave me the call up because, does anyone friends with Carl and saw his video? Few people. So basically, he, he he likes doing his weights, and he was doing doing weights on a deadlift or something. I don't know the term, but like uh, he he was doing it, and basically his knee just like just gave out and collapsed, and he basically he tore the patella tendon completely off the tibia. Um, and like so, I'd seen the video, and I caught up with him and Beck. Uh, Rach and I went round to catch up with him and Beck today, and he showed me the slow mo video, and you can actually see. He also showed me the the, the one with sound, where you can hear him scream. It's quite amusing. But like you see his kneecap slide up here. Kid <laughs> you not, it's real bad. Um, they, they, you know, they banned elective surgeries at the time and they're like, yeah, you physiologically can't walk, you need surgery on Monday. So he had surgery a couple weeks ago. Um, keep, keep them in your prayers, uh, pastoring a, a, a young church when you've got some three high energy boys is tough for him and Beck. So yeah, please keep them in your prayers. Um, but uh, yeah, tonight, um, I just, yeah, Ollie felt this was a relevant message for us. And yeah, as as this community, I guess, um, enters into this time of transition, um, yeah, I'm just hopeful that it'll be um, a time where we can just sort of reset our compasses and just really focus on on the gospel and what that means for us moving moving forward. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna pray for us and we'll we'll get into it. Um, loving God, we're talking tonight about your light, um, the light of the gospel. And even though uh, yeah, a lot of us we go to church a lot, we hear about this stuff a lot. Help it to really just impact our hearts, the way that this transforms. It transforms your world, it transforms our lives, it transforms uh, the people that you reach with it. Um, and and we, we meet here, we're a community that meets because of the light of your gospel. We want to celebrate that tonight. We want to sort of just make sure we're completely recalibrated on your, on your gospel as we move forward. We thank you that um, your love and, and Jesus, what you've done for us, what you did for us on that cross, when you died for us, you rose again. That is why we're here. That's what holds us together. We, we praise you for that. We ask that tonight, you will, whether we're hearing it for the first time or the thousandth time, that you will impact us tonight. Amen. Um, so yeah, the light, the light of the gospel is, is what I'm talking about tonight. Um, basically, basically, I have kind of two main points. Um, point one is, is darkness, and point two is light. It's like pretty, pretty sort of basic structure. Um, we're going we're gonna to sort of look at both. Um, and in a moment, I'm going to read a Bible passage that we're focusing on. Um, before before I read that, um, I'm I'm like a, I'm a, I'm not ashamed of this that I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan. Like just the movies, I haven't, haven't read the books. I'm not like a fantasy genre kind of nerd. But those movies, which are like 20 years old now, which is crazy. But those movies are amazing. I love just like this any any kind of epic movie that just has this huge build up and then uh, you know various climaxes. Just yeah, fantastic and. 
And the thing that really gets me about those movies, that is relevant to tonight, is just the way that they just show incredibly powerfully just darkness spreading. Like just, just spreading and spreading and spreading. It's like these, these orcs, these monsters are just like literally spreading like a plague, just slaughtering as they go. And it's like hope is just, as the three movies progress, hope is just progressively fading and fading and fading as the darkness spreads. It's, it's crazy. Um, and in the, in the third movie, they're preparing for, for what everyone knows is the, is the, the massive sort of final battle. And um, Gandalf is the, you know, the wizard, but also kind of leading the, 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 the defense against the evil. Um, they're, they're kind of on the walls looking out and then these, a couple of scared soldiers are there with him. And one of them says to Gandalf, he's um, asking about whether these reinforcements will come. And he's like, you know, will, will Thandon's army come? Will, will, will the reinforcements come? And Gandalf just pauses and he goes, courage is your best defense now. Now, like, if I was, if I was in that position and, and I said, hey, we're gonna get reinforcements, and the leader says, courage is your best defense, I reckon in that moment, every last bit of courage I had would just disappear, all right? It would be terrifying. And that, that's what it is. It's, 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 it seems inevitable, this, this, this threat of evil. And then um, my favorite, this is possibly my favorite scene from any movie I've ever seen, Basically, movie progresses further. The orcs are actually pouring into the city, and there's women and children running away, and the orcs are just slaughtering as they go. And then, and then Gandalf, who's joined the fight himself, he's like, he's yelling like, "Fight to the last man! Fight for your lives!" And at that moment, just just as the darkness is, is, is spread everywhere, there's this uh, a, a, you know a horn, a trumpet that sounds, and everyone just stops and looks. And that's when the reinforcements come and there's these thousands of horsemen that, that come and, and turn the tide of the battle. It's just this amazing, amazing moment of just in the, the greatest darkness, light just, just coming in. Um, you know, light comes in and, and pushes back the darkness. Um, and so the, the, the first sort of point I want to make tonight is that darkness isn't really a thing. Okay, it's just, you might have heard this talked about before. Darkness is, is basically the absence of light. Okay, when there's a fight between darkness and light, it's not a fight, all right? The, the light just pushes out the darkness, it's gone. Darkness only exists where there is no light. And so, and, and you know, when we have uh, in, in John 1, there's a, a famous uh, the introduction, the, the sort of prologue to, to John, and, and one of the things that he says is the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So that's the first thing we need to remember, is that when it's light versus darkness, there is no battle. There is no battle. Light just pushes out the darkness. Um, and, and one thing I love about, about Jesus, as we'll, as we'll see today in this in the passage I share and also what I talk about, is that he, Jesus doesn't deny the darkness. He doesn't pretend it's not there. He doesn't, you know, wave it away, minimalize it like it's no big deal. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't pretend it's not there. But he does defeat it. He does defeat it. Um, and in fact, this is actually quite relevant to uh, those of you who are here this morning for our, the start of our Ecclesiastes sermon, um, our series, rather, um, Steve Early shared on that, and if you might not have read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's quite a dark book where this, the author is just reflecting on the futility and, and, and pointlessness of, of life. Um, and, and what Steve alluded to in that is that that points to Jesus in the future, even though the book of Ecclesiastes was written hundreds of years before Jesus came along. It points to the future where Jesus brings light into a, into a dark place. Um, but we're not going to read from Ecclesiastes tonight. Um, hey, George, do you mind grabbing me a glass of water, mate? I'm in need here. Um, what we are going to read is actually going to read from Isaiah. Now, this is, um, you guys, I think last year had like a Christmas in July series. Is that last year or the year before? Anyway, 
This is a Christmas passage I'm reading tonight, um, but why not? All right, we talk about the cross all year round. Let's talk about Christmas all year round as well. So I'm reading from Isaiah nine. Um, I'm actually going to read the last few verses of chapter eight, just as a bit of, um, uh, of context. So I'm going to I'm going to start from Isaiah chapter eight, uh, verse twenty one. I'll give you a moment if you're finding that. So yeah, Isaiah chapter eight, starting at verse twenty one. They will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry, Jizba. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, darkness and distress, the gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. Chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Now, this is all French to you, I'll break it down, don't worry. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And we'll, we'll, pause, we'll pause it there. So, um, yeah, the prophetic books, like Isaiah's one of many, many prophets who, um, you know, whose words found their way into, into what we call the Bible. And uh, there's, there's a lot of darkness in them. There's a lot of judgment. They can get a bit repetitive sometimes as well. They're not always the easiest book to read. Um, and what this, like, repetition of, of, of like, the, the, the coming judgment and the, the, the consequences of the people's sin that we read about a lot in these prophetic books... Um, they kind of they illustrate the situation. They illustrate how um, you know bad the situation had got. They, like, the, the prophets were basically trying to warn the people, like God loves you, but the way you're living, turning away from Him, is going to end in, in disaster. You need to turn back. And so there was this always this warning of of the prophets trying to convey how bad the situation was and how much they needed to turn back to God. Um, and then at the end of chapter eight, which is what I started with, then we have. Um, that, that Isaiah is describing that the anguish, the, the gloom, um, the, you know, the darkness of the nation. And remember, this nation that he's talking to, they're not like a nation that's like God's enemies or something. These are God's people. These are God's chosen people. Um, you know, the nation of, of Judah, of, of Israel, um, and, and that was supposed to be flourishing as God's people. God had chosen them and he led them and he loved them and he rescued them and he built them up and he empowered them. And he'd given them his word and showed them the way to live. And they'd basically just gone through this epic journey of turning away and, and, and things were going really, really badly. Um, and then in chapter 9, Isaiah says, In the former time, now, at the time, of the right, at the time he's writing this, the people that he's talking about have already been conquered. Okay, they've already been conquered. It got so bad that they actually got conquered. Um, and, and Isaiah's writing from in this time, from in this gloom where everything seems lost. Um, you know, things are really, really bad. But he speaks about it as if it's already in the past. He speaks, he speaks about it as if that's a time already passed. Now, just, just take a step to the side for a bit. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, if you know your, your Christmas story. Now, Bethlehem was, you know, it's the city of David. It showed his connection to King David, who was his ancestor. But he didn't, didn't live long in, in Bethlehem. He actually went and lived in a place called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, or in, you know, Galilee, was like, no, it was the backwater. It was the backwater. Like, no, no one wanted to live there. Like, when, when Jesus is, is sort of coming on the scene when he's a man and he's starting to meet people and uh, people say, hey, come and listen to this guy. One, one dude who, turned, who ends up being one of Jesus' best friends, when he first hears that Jesus is from Nazareth, his first words are, can anything good come from Nazareth? That's what he says. 
And that's where I love it how God orchestrated it so that Jesus' first years, he, he grew up in Nazareth, in this unwanted place that no one really wanted to, to, to live in. Basically, I'm not going to bore you with the geography lesson, but basically, like, Israel as a nation had split into, two, many years ago, it split into two, two um, separate kingdoms. The, the northern one uh, was conquered first, and by the time Isaiah's writing, that had already been conquered. Now, what the conquerors, the Assyrians, did was they took away a bunch of people into exile, but they also brought some other people, uh, I don't know if they were Assyrians or others, and actually brought them into that land to live. And what it basically did from like a, a genetic and also a cultural point of view was it basically like... I can't think of a tasteful way to say it, kind of watered down them as a people. And so they weren't this distinct people anymore. They uh, basically, they, they, they were kind of seen, the people in the southern kingdom kind of saw them as like the half-breeds, like they sold out, they weren't God's people anymore. They were just considered to be, you know, considered lowly. Think about the Good Samaritan, how the Jews hated the Samaritans. Well, that's that's where that comes from, is the, the northern kingdom, Samaria, uh, had, had, had been... Um, yeah, it was, it was so lowly thought of. And that's where Galilee, where Jesus actually grew up. God actually decided Jesus is going to grow up in this area that no one wants anything to do with. No one wanted anything to do with it. And then Isaiah is talking about him. He says, uh, sorry, I didn't explain that bit. The Zebulun Naphtali, that's another name for that area. So if we go back to the passage, he says, In the former time, he brought into contempt this land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. So what Isaiah is saying there is this land that's just in contempt, that everyone hates, no one wants anything to do with, God's actually making it glorious. God's actually making it glorious because that's the place where Jesus is going to emerge from. Isaiah says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Another reason this land was so dark was because the, um, just the way the, the geography was, the invaders always came from the north, and so the invaders always came through this area first. So the, these guys were just used to being you know, conquered, being enslaved, being taken, having their crops burned, having their towns smashed up. They, they were just used to it. This, this, this land was just, it was just the backwater. Um, and so... When Isaiah says in the latter time, he has made it glorious. We see, even though Isaiah is talking hundreds of years before Jesus is born, he's prophesying hundreds of years before Jesus is born. He's, he, it's a first, one of the first little hints that Jesus, one of the main things Jesus is about is making the unlovely glorious. Right? He doesn't take glorious things and make them glorious. He takes unlovely things and makes them glorious. And that's us. All right? that's, that's us. As Christians, we believe that. We're not better. All right? we're, not, we're not more holy. We're not, well, God makes us holy, but like, in and of ourselves, we're no better than anyone else. It's, it's sad that there's a perception that Christians are like, oh, yeah, Christians think that being a Christian means you're, better, you're a good person. Well, no. We're Christians. We know that we're not good people and we need a saviour. Okay? Jesus makes the unlovely glorious. Um, and, you know, we might live in a society today that's a lot more polished than back then. Like, we've got a pretty, pretty great world we live in. Like, living in Adelaide in 2022 is a pretty sweet deal. Like, our society today is a lot more developed, a lot more polished than this one thousands of years ago. And we might, might be great at looking good on the outside. Um, but, honestly, without Jesus' light, we are just as much in darkness as the people that Isaiah's talking about in this passage.
Um, it's also a great lesson for us, like in how we, as the church, as God's people, how we love other people. Because it's really easy. It's really, and I, you know, I, I can relate to it. It's really easy to love people who are easy to get along with and like, you know, not socially awkward and popular. And it, it's really easy to love those people, isn't it? And we're all, we're all guilty of this. We gravitate toward those people. But Jesus didn't. Jesus gravitated towards the people that were pushed out. He gravitated towards the people that were, were not listened to or were downtrodden. That's a great lesson for us in how we, um, you know, the heart that we should have towards the people around us. Um, and so I actually think, as I kind of mentioned, I actually think we have an extra challenge today. I mean, our world's a lot easier to live in than these guys back then. They, they had it tough, but... We have an extra challenge today, and that is that in Australia, in 2022, we don't feel like we have a problem. We look around and there's, there's not much of a problem. Like I said, it's a, it's a sweet place to live. We've got it really great. And so when we read in verse 2, you know, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. That sounds like a, a, a backwater Middle Eastern province in, uh, you know, 600 BC. That doesn't sound like Australia today, does it? But I'll put it to you that, for starters, our world today is actually so dark in places, in areas that we don't see, that we barely glimpse on the news. Like Ollie mentioned Ukraine, which is just on a, on a knife's edge from, from turning to you know, um, conflict and disaster. Like, if you, only probably a handful of people in here might know about just how horrific the situations are in places like Yemen and Ethiopia at the moment. Now, if you don't know anything about that, it's not a guilt trip. Like, we just don't hear about it. There's, there's horrendous things going on in, in various places of the world right now. And so what we like to do in Australia is we pretend there's no darkness. We pretend there's no darkness. You know, we're, we're awesome here. We're, you know, we're progressive. We, we know more than those uneducated fools in the past. You know, we have all the technology. We're more, more educated than people that came before us. We're safe. We're comfortable. We've got everything we need. If I don't have something I need, I can get it. We can pretty much do whatever we want. And so our culture in some, some ways does have less darkness. On the surface, it has less darkness. But in other ways, we try to dress up our darkness and we, we create a new type. It's the kind that we don't even know that we're in. Because, you know, our society has this polished exterior and it hides the things that are underneath. You know, things like inequality, injustice, domestic violence. You know, internally, there's, there's you know, mental health issues, loneliness, people feeling unloved, worthless spiritual darkness, those things are just slightly under the surface. And, and one of the most toxic things about our, our sinful condition is that we get used to it. We get used to it. You know, it's very good at seeming normal. Sin is it's very sneaky. It, makes, it convinces us that it's normal. Um, you know, our, our, we get used to the darkness that we're in. Um, the, the darkness that we see, whether it's, whether it's really obvious stuff like violence or whether it's more subtle stuff like um, just people feeling alienated. We get, we get used to that. We don't, we don't realise what we're missing. Uh, you know, we've, we've no comprehension of what God actually offers us um, because our connection with him is so, so frayed. And so, so our culture, two things, our culture and our sinful condition, they blind us from, how, from the darkness that we're in. They blind us from how much we actually need God. And so even though we live in a setting so different from the one that Isaiah's living in the one that Isaiah's describing. I think I think the part from chapter eight, which I'm going to read again, it kind of kind of does describe our society today in a spiritual sense. He says, They will pass through the land, 
greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. And they'll be thrust into thick darkness, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. That's when we have the pivot. That's when the light comes. Let's um, rewind to Jesus' time. Jesus enters into the world. He, he's born about, about 600 years after Isaiah says this. Jesus is born into, into a world, into, into this people, the Jewish people who had failed so spectacularly at being God's chosen people. And he, he, he uh, well, they, they, yeah, I'll park that. Um, you know, he's born, he's born into this, these people that are basically just, they're barely clinging on to hope. Like they're clinging on to promises that God had made them hundreds or even thousands of years ago. They're clinging on to hope. I'm sure some of them have given up on hope. And, and he brings them. He brings them hope. He brings them the, pro- uh, the promise of deliverance in this life and in the life to come. I'm going to unpack that in a sec. Yeah, he, brings, he brings a kind of light that not even invading armies could, could extinguish. Not even cruel soldiers or poverty or injustice. Because, you know, after Jesus um, died and rose again and went back to heaven, like, it, it didn't get any easier for the Jewish people or, the, or the, the new Christians. Like, it got harder for them. So he didn't deliver them from circumstances. But he brought the kind of light that is more powerful than even dark circumstances. Um, so for us, how does, how does Jesus meet us in our darkness? Verse 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Now, it, in many, many aspects of the Christian life, you have this... This um, sort of uh, tension between already here and not yet here, already and not yet, um, and so the, the kingdom of God, like it's weird. You read in the Bible about how Jesus says the kingdom of God is in your midst, it's here, and then in other parts of the Bible it says the kingdom of God is still to come, and both of those are true. Okay, you got to hold those things in tension. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus has brought the kingdom, but it's not fully here yet. It'll be fully here when Jesus returns one day. Um, so, so Jesus. Did he rise again to defeat sin and death? Yes. Are sin and death still present, painful realities? Yes. Those, those, both those things are true. And so the light of the gospel is here for us. The light of the gospel is already here, but it's still coming. It's still coming. And we have to, if we miss either of those two, we're, we're going to struggle and we're going to get a lopsided view of things. Okay? The light of the gospel is here and it's powerful enough to change our lives now. It's not pie in the sky stuff. It's here. But it's also still to come. Um, and you know, Steve actually talked this morning about um, you know, the, the veil being pulled back a little bit and just having a, a peek through. He talked about how in Ecclesiastes, the writer talks about the futility of life and everything just seems futile. No matter what he sought out to try and make his life meaningful, nothing did. Everything is futile. Everything is vanity. And yet Steve talked about pointing towards Jesus and that, like the, the, the veil being pulled aside a little bit and just the, the hope or the light streaming in as we, as we, see, um, as we see the hope of Christ. Um, and that's, that's a really sort of powerful image of, of what this is. Because if, if the kingdom of God was fully here, if the light of the gospel was fully here, death would be gone. Now just like think about that for a sec. We can, we, we, our minds can't really, we can try and imagine that. We can't really do it. Because it's just part of our reality. It's people dying. People getting old and frail and sick. But imagine death gone. Here's, here's a few other things that are going to be done away with when Jesus returns in full and the light is fully here. Loneliness, gone. Hurt, gone. Fear, mental illness, physical illness, feeling worthless, 
injustice, selfishness, lust, corruption, betrayal, insecurity, broken relationships, uh, struggling with your relationship with God, that list could go on. All those things are going to be done away with. They're going to be done away with. Right, for now, we still wrestle with them. I think in the last week, I've probably, either in myself or in others, I've probably seen everything on that list. Everything. We still wrestle with them. It's horrible stuff. And so, as believers, as Christians, as, as God's church and God's family, when people go through those things, we don't give them empty words. We don't give them empty words. Alright? We stand with them. We make them feel like they're not, we them know that they're not alone. And we point them to the one who actually conquers these things. Alright? It's, it's no, good, no good having a feel-good pick-me-up. I want to know who's conquering these things that I hate. These things that are ruining people's lives. Who's going to do away with those things? Alright? Because that struggle against the darkness, the darkness still hurts. The darkness still has so much reach and it, it affects people's lives in such a tangible way. And yet our struggles against the darkness... They're never in vain when you're serving the king of all things. And they're never in vain when you're serving the one who's actually defeated those things. And again, yes, he's defeated them. They're still here and they still hurt. Both those things are true. Okay? But when we really understand that God has actually, Jesus actually defeated the darkness. He actually took that on himself on the cross. He took that on himself. He defeated it. Okay? That is the main weapon we have when that darkness affects us. It still hurts, but he is ultimately victorious. He is ultimately victorious. Put it this way. They are those things, those, those list of horrible things. They are the tools of an enemy that's already been defeated. All right? They're the tools of an enemy that's already been defeated. And so as a church, as God's people, we point each other towards that light. And we shine the light before others. This is the part we get nervous about. I get nervous about it. I'm not, I'm not great at this. We shine a light before others. It doesn't, doesn't have to be complicated. You know, a good place to start is just to be yourself. Like, I, I, I'm honest with people about the love that I, faith that I love footy. Like, you know, I've played for years. I love watching it. I don't hide that. You know, I, I'm honest about the fact that I love my wife. She's awesome. I don't hide that. And I sometimes love teaching. <laughs> sometimes. That's great. But there's this thing in me that's like, oh, I, should I really be talking about the fact that I love God and he's my reason for my purpose for being it's like yeah I think I should it doesn't have to be weird like I've got a couple of like really good mates that are non-Christians that I've met through footy and just struck a good, good friendship with over the years and what I've tried to do is I've just tried to kind of normalize it I'm not I'm not preaching it I'm like but if like if if Rachel and I are, are praying about something big like I want to share that thing with them because they're a good mate and I'll say yeah no Rachel and I just we're just we're praying about that at the moment just trying to work out what God wants for us like, stuff like that. If that's true, and that's what I'm passionate about, why shouldn't I share that? I just want to be myself. And it's not weird, because they know that we're mates, and I'm not going to, you know, sprinkle holy water on them or something rubbish like that, all right? We're just, we're just being friends. So normalize it. Be true to yourself. Be honest about who you are. If Jesus is precious to you, don't hide that. Just put it on display. Don't hide it just because society teaches you it should be a secret. And so, yeah, showing light before, before others in conversation, in hospitality, how we welcome people into our homes, you know, how we respond to suffering. Honestly, like being, being honest about it, like I said, Jesus doesn't pretend the darkness isn't, he doesn't pretend the darkness and the hurt aren't a big deal. He enters into it. And so we, we don't minimise that, we don't brush stuff off. If we're hurting, we're honest about that. 
but we're also honest about the hope that we that we have. And so, one of the greatest prayers that we have as God's people is that people would see their need for Jesus. Because we know we have a huge need for Jesus. And we want people to see their need for Jesus. To see that they're so lost without him, but so loved by him. Both those things. So lost without him, but so loved by him. And we have, we have such a hope in the future when Jesus is going to return and do away with all that stuff that I mentioned. That whole list of dark things. But he also you know, brings us deliverance now. It's not just, not just fuzzy you know, pie in the sky stuff, it's, it's not, not, he might not necessarily fix our circumstances. Like there ain't, you hear a preacher say that God's going to come and make your life great, ignore that. That's not in the Bible, all right? Usually when people met Jesus, their lives got worse. But they had more joy, and they had more purpose, and they knew where they were going. This is stuff that we can build our lives on, all right? It means your job, even if, you, even if you don't enjoy it. It's not a waste of time. No, no day at work is a waste of time when you're doing it for the King of Kings. Right? No, no challenging relationship is a, is a waste of time. When you're a challenging friendship, when you just, you just feel like someone, a, a friend is just, you know, you know those friendships where you just feel like they're one-sided and it's painful? Well, I mean, you know, there is, there is a time, this is where you get godly counsel from people, there is a time to step back from those sorts of things, but just remember that no conversation is wasted when you're doing it for the Lord. You know, your bad times, are not, your bad days are not a waste of time. You might, might have heard of John Piper, who's a famous um, preacher and theologian in the States. And he, he actually, believe it or not, he, he, he got cancer and recovered from it. And then he wrote a book, and the title of the book was called Don't Waste Your Cancer. All right? That's, that's full on. Like, that's, that's, that's the far end of the spectrum. But his point is that when you're serving God, when you're serving the King of Kings, when you're serving the one who has already defeated sin and death, nothing is wasted. All right? And suffering is never for no reason. No, 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 no hurt or suffering is final. None of it's pointless because the light's already conquered the darkness. So if you, if you don't know Jesus or you, you think you do, you're not quite sure, you're still trying to work all this out, don't, stop, don't let anything stop you from finding out more because he's the light of the world and without that light, everything is dark by comparison. And for those of us who are, who are regulars here at City Reach, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely excited at the passion that's in this room for Jesus and for for his church and for the little part of his church that we call City Reach. Like, I'm genuinely excited by that. And, yeah, time of transition. There's, like, I, I, I know there's people in this community that, uh, and in this room or isolating at home tonight that, you know, there's a sense of loss because of the change that's going on. But I just want to encourage you that even though some of the visible things are changing, it's not, it's not those things that make our gatherings great. All right? it's, that's, it, it, the visible things are nice. The, 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 the things we do at 5pm are nice. But it's not, it's not that. That's not the glue. That's not what makes this great. All right? it's, the, it's the light of the gospel that holds us together. Because it's our future hope and it's our present hope. It's what makes us a family. It gives our gatherings meaning. It gives our lives purpose. And, and that's not changing. That doesn't change. Our circumstances change every day. Like... Even the best, even the best circumstances in our lives are, 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 are flimsy; could be gone tomorrow. All right, but God's grace doesn't. God's grace does not change. His His willingness to involve us in His story as His people that doesn't change, and that's a really big encouragement. It's a big relief too, because if it was dependent on how I performed, or it was dependent on whether I had a good day or a good year, there's not a lot of hope there. Okay? 
but we have a sure anchor in the light of the gospel. That anchor ain't moving. So let's cling to that, all right? I'm going to pray for us. Um, and then I think we're finishing with the song. Is that all right? Beneath? Yeah, awesome. Let's, um, let's pray. God, we talk about the light of the gospel. It can become this kind of abstract concept that we hear in churches a lot. And yet there is so much darkness in the world around us. There's so much darkness in the world and there's so much darkness in our hearts. And we need your light to shine in. And thank you, Lord, that where your light is, there is no darkness. So for anyone in this room tonight that is feeling um, darkness in their heart, whether that is just a feeling of being lost or uncertain or unloved, please just bring your light and shine in now. May they know that they are loved, that they are yours, that they are saved, and that we get to spread that light to the world around us. Thank you that as we move forward as a community, you are going to do wonderful things, and that you are committed to involving us in your plan. That ain't going to change. You made a promise that you're going to use us in your plans, and we're excited for that. So please go with us, and we know that you will go with us as we do that. Amen.